Hey, it's the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny Ginter. Uh, the 11 Dubcast is brought to you by the 11 Warriors Dry Goods Store. If you guys want to check out our amazing line of shirts and merchandise, I highly recommend you uh, take a look at it uh, on our website. Uh, you guys also could help us out by subscribing to us on iTunes so that you can get a shiny new Dubcast whenever we publish one. So go ahead and do both of those things. Um, quick update on the Dubcast. Status, Dubcast status report is that unfortunately uh, Michael Citro is is no longer with us uh, on the Dubcast. He he is still alive, thank God. Uh, but he has kind of moved on for greener pastures. We're really going to miss him. Um, Michael was a huge part of this podcast for a really long time. I really think to help elevate it to a higher level than what we had, you know, especially with regards to the guests. I mean, he was just amazing and and getting some of these really great. Um, guys to come on. I, one of my all-time favorite things that we were able to do together was talk to Robert Smith about Mystery Science Series 3000. Um, I'm really going to miss talking to him on a weekly basis, uh, kind of analyzing Ohio State sports with him for, you know, an hour every week. I mean, that that kind of stuff is, is just fun to do, and it's, you know, it's sad to see him go, but uh, I know he's going to have a lot of fun uh, doing kind of his new ventures, and, and you write about soccer and all these other things. So, I wish him all the best. It's it's really uh, good to have somebody who, you know, you're just kind of on the same wavelength with when you're doing this kind of thing. And, and one of the things that, you know, I think that we've tried to do on the 11 Dubcast is to present information in a, you know, like not a cerebral way, because we'll, we'll argue and we'll talk about stuff and we'll get silly, but in a logical, smart way. And I think that we we're able to do that. We've been able to do that over the years. I mean, you know, I've been doing the 11 Dubcast since I think 2011. Uh, it's been a long time since we, you know, started this and it's just fun to do. Like I, I genuinely enjoy coming in here and discussing and talking shop with people who really care about sports in general, because sports matter. They're, yeah, they're frivolous and they're dumb and we, we do dumb things with regards to them, but they matter. And I hope you guys continue to listen to the Love and Dubcast because it's not just about, um, you know, how many Simpsons jokes I can make, which, let's be honest, is a lot. But I also think that it's about looking at sports, specifically Ohio State sports, but sports in general, in a reasonable, intelligent way that respects you guys. Because I know the people who listen to this are really, like, well-informed sports fans, and you guys deserve to hear a podcast, you guys deserve to hear media or writing in general that respects you guys and respects your intelligence. And yeah, we're going to be dumb and we're going to answer dumb ask us anything questions and we're going to be silly and we're going to be weird no matter what form the dubcast takes in the future, but it's going to be for you guys. And I just appreciate everybody who's, you know, listened to us in the past, the present and the future. Uh, you guys are awesome. And like I said, you know, whatever happens with the dubcast going forward, we'll keep it going. Don't worry about that. But whatever form it takes in the future, it's going to be for you. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming along with the ride. Okay, joining us, we have kind of a co-host guest. We're gonna we're gonna do this uh, freeform style, not ABC Family style, but like kind of off the seat of our pants. Uh, Eric, thank you for coming on tonight. Eric Sager, Eleven Warriors um, beat writer and, and uh, confidant and uh, letter writer, pen pal. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I oh, appreciate it. 
thanks for having me on. I'm glad to throw you some assistance. Hopefully, I don't shame Michael too much trying to. Re- no, step you're in not. For him. Look, I gotta tell you something. I, I mean, as as much as I enjoy doing the the dubcast with Michael, um, I think you are more than up to the job. And we've had a lot of we've had a lot of people come in over the years. Like, I, what I think is interesting is that you know just. Maybe because of or in spite of all the wild success the Eleven Dubcast has, at, you know, where it now sits on the position of the most listened podcast on the entire internet, uh, I have remained the one constant. And I don't know if that's holding back or, like, pushing the Dubcast forward, but uh, we've had a lot of great people come in and, and talk to me and, and boo my spirits as I uh, deal with transitions um, that I'm not super great at handling in my real life. So, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Um Let's uh let's talk about the spring game because I okay. kind of watched the spring game and was aware of his existence and noticed some guys doing some positive things, but I don't know if you necessarily noticed the same things that I did. So what what like stuck out at you or stuck out at you? Well, yeah, I, sure. Yeah, I think the uh, the first thing that stuck out to me was just how much Ohio State was focusing on the on their passing game. Um, and and they, that's, I mean, the spring is the time to do that because I'm not saying running the ball is easier, but once you get into fall camp, you can really iron things out, especially considering that Ohio State had two all-Big Ten players on the offensive line not playing yeah. uh, in Billy Price and Pat Elfline. So, you know, I think Urban, Meyer, and, and the offensive staff wanted to see what the young pups could do on the offensive line and pass protection. Um and, and you know, JT Barrett needed to show some rapport with some of those receivers. And, and I think that they did that. And it was a really great opportunity for guys like Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin um, to, to show what they can do. Because, you know, in a few months when they open up camp, Curtis Samuel should be healthy. Noah Brown should be healthy. Corey Smith will be closer to being healthy. And Dontre Wilson should be healthy. So, I mean, those, those are four guys right there that are going to be big parts of Ohio State's passing game uh, this fall. So that was the first thing that, that jumped out to me. And, and a lot of it, too, was Joey Burrow's performance. I was very impressed with him, uh, especially with the way he came back. Because his first drive, man, he got decked just two yeah. times. And he fumbled once. and, and But he, he got up and, you know, brushed himself off and, was able to come back, and, and I, he was the MVP of the spring game for me. I know they don't give out awards, but, I mean, he threw three touchdown passes, so it's kind of hard to give it to anybody else. But um, do, you, do you actually, like, I don't know. I, I was watching this, right, and I don't know. I, I watched the game, and I, I want to get into it. And I, I love the fact that you've got football in Ohio Stadium. That on the face of it is awesome, right? Like, Absolutely. I enjoy that. Yeah. But I don't know how seriously I'm supposed to take it because, like, I guess under Trestle, right, it seemed like the spring game was more of a an actual game. Like, it seemed like they'd take it a little more seriously. Now it's kind of like glorified exhibition, which it always was, but I just don't know how much stock I can put into something. Like, let's say Joey Burrow throws three touchdowns. Like, I don't know how right. great I feel about that. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. No, I agree with you 100% on that. And, and, and I'm telling this to you and to everybody else that have talked to me about the spring game since it happened, like don't put any stock in it at all because just don't do it. Because I think I saw a stat uh, <laughs> last year, like Corey Smith had like, he was like one of the, he was like the second leading receiver yeah. in the game and now or something he's going like to the that. NFL, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's just, you never know what's going to happen. So I, I would, don't put any stock into it, but I, I wanted to see um, Burrow, Burrow has like put on a bunch of weight and that that's what just helped him because he, out of high school, he was kind of a scrawny kid and, He's definitely stronger now, and 
and he's always had great touch on the ball, and but he couldn't really throw the deep ball all that well because his arm strength just wasn't what you would expect from a kid who is a highly touted recruit. But he threw the right. deep ball pretty well. So I think that there's some stock you can put into that um, if you want to put into anything. And then on the other side of the ball, the defensive line obviously is a, is a big concern for not only Urban Meyer, but you know Larry Johnson too, uh, just because there's a bunch of guys that they need to replace, including an All-American and Bosa. And then there is a bunch of guys that you just don't know what you have because they're really young right. and they haven't played much. So I, I, I was really interested to see Jay Sean Cornell and Draymond Jones because those are two DNs that they recruited that they moved inside to tackle. And both of those guys I felt like played really well. Um, Cornell was in the face of the, the quarterbacks quite a bit. And, and again, take that with a grain of salt because the offensive line was just not what you're going to see this fall. So it, right. it it was it was good to see a lot of that young talent um, kind of on display, and you saw and you saw some flashes with some guys like Mike Weber, and he scored a couple touchdowns, and then Paris Campbell had that nice catch down the field, and McLaurin I think had a hundred yards receiving, but then you had some times where you had like Johnny Dixon running the wrong pass route, and <laughs> T. Barrett ends up throwing an interception because of it. You know, it's just like those things that kind of make you scratch your head, but then you have to remember. This team is so young, and there's only six seniors, and like half of them didn't even play on Saturday. Right. So it's it, it's a lot of give and take. But I think overall, I I would have to say that Ohio State's pretty happy with where they're at right now. Man, like I gotta tell you something. And just thinking about Mike Weber in general, like how crazy has that been for that dude? Oh. Like I I mean I mean I know Curtis Samuel right is coming back, and and he's gonna be doing all that stuff in the backfield because he's kind of more established. But man, like. That, I don't know. I feel like his entire journey could have gone two ways. And maybe, again, maybe the spring game doesn't mean anything, but it just seemed to me like this is kind of an affirmation of a guy who maybe is going to be an impact player. Yeah. Like, it, I didn't expect that, honestly. Like, I thought that was going to go south. Yes. Like, completely south on that. I did, too, especially with, um, you know, sometimes refreshing come in in there big-time recruits like him and, and Torrance Gibson, too. And both of those guys had injuries that kind of really set back their development. Right, right. And, I mean, and that, that's really tough for an 18-, 19-year-old kid to, to handle. Um, so, it, you know, it's a credit to, to Mike to to stick with it and, and kind of take his opportunity now, especially because Briante Dunn didn't play on Saturday either. So there was really only two running backs, uh, two scholarship running backs, Antonio Williams, Antonio Williams, who runs really hard. But sometimes I kind of – wonder if he knows exactly what, like, what he's doing with the playbook. And that's okay because that kid is – he should be preparing for his high school prom right now. And right, it's, right. It's pretty impressive with what he's been able to do. But Mike Mike Weber is very light on his feet, and he, he runs hard. He runs so hard. And, and people are comparing him to Carlos Hyde and Urban Meyer's like, whoa, he's not there yet. And he's not. But it's, it's a similar style, and I kind of see that too uh, just with the way that he can – you know, get in and out of cuts and, and absorb some contact and fall forward. So it, it's it could have definitely his career could have gone way south. But I don't know yeah. if if uh, Tony Alford would have let it happen or Urban Meyer either, just because they know Mike can can be really good. Right. I mean, he's he's definitely a huge talent. And the other guy, I mean, you you brought him up, but I was going to talk about him is, is Torrance Gibson. I oh mean, man, <laughs> he is. That guy's I mean, a monster. Just, that that, I don't know. that touch pass that he scored. It was on. I mean, it was a it was a yeah. touchdown catch, but it was just a it was a handoff. And, and I'm just yeah, thinking to myself, why are you running a sweep 
to Gibson, this guy who's six foot four, you know, you're supposed to run this with your little quick guys. And then he just right. runs around everybody and doesn't even get touched when he scores. I mean, it's, yeah. he's a talent. And, and I, I thought that uh, I was really impressed with him at the, the Fiesta Bowl. I was just down on the field before the game started and they were throwing passes to him and they didn't, you know, they didn't have any pads on, but they had their helmets and it just, he just glides, man. His strides are just so long and he, he's just a very, athletic guy is just no way around it but the thing is is he hasn't even been playing wide receiver for 10 months yet so there's so much that he has to learn yet and to get honed down but he showed what he can do on Saturday you know nice catch in the end zone so Ohio State will weaponize him this year I mean there's Urban Meyer is not going to let him sit on the sidelines again um, now that he's matured a little bit and realized that he's not the man anymore as far as like, well, he's not right. As far as being a quarterback. Right. Yeah. And, and and being like, I mean, in South Florida, he was, he was the guy, you know, he, he was, he had all the attention and now there's 15 of those people at Ohio state at least. So. Well, see, then that's my question because you're right. He, he, not even a year that he's been trying to become a wide receiver. What is that conversation like? Like, I don't know how, I mean, because I thought about this before the spring game and I was thinking like, what do you tell a kid? Do you, are you straight up honest with him once he gets there? It's like, look, you're not a quarterback. Or do you just say, you know, do you flash the money in front of him and say, look, I mean, not literally, but you say, look, like if you want to make millions in the NFL, right. this is how you do it. I, I think, and I guess it's different for each dude, but, like, that's a hard conversation to have with a kid. Yeah, and that's something that I think Urban Meyer is, is very good at is, you know, figuring out what these guys and what they're going to – how he's going to be able to, I guess, I guess the word is deal with them in conversations like that uh, because he figures yeah. out – you know, he talks to position coaches and things like that. Because, like, Torrance like Torrance started at quarterback. Like, when, when fall camp happened, started open, he was wearing a black jersey with Joe Burrow, throwing passes to him and stuff. And then, like, two weeks into it, he was playing wide receiver. So, I, yeah. I think that it was one of those things where Urban said, okay, you want to play quarterback, you can come in and try that. <laughs> but if it's not working out, like, you're too much of a talent to not play. So we're going to like try to figure out where it's best to utilize him. And then he got hurt and things kind of went south from there. But I think you have to tell him like, Hey, you have a chance to go play in the professional ranks somewhere, whether it be in the CFL or NFL, wherever. And if you want to really make the most money, I think the best decision for you is to switch to wide receiver. And I Torrance took, I talked to him briefly after the Fiesta Bowl and I was like, are you a hundred percent wide receiver now? And he says, yeah, but I'm always a quarterback at heart. So it's, Right. It's kind of tough to deal with, um, but it was pretty pretty obvious, and it's been obvious in the spring that he's he's all in on that being a wide receiver. Well, it's good that he made this decision now, right? Yeah. Like, as opposed to oh, like getting a year into it or like I'm going to transfer to Tulane or some crap right. like that. Yeah. And so that, that would have just been a waste of time for everybody, and it would not have been a good situation for him because it would have, you know, because then he's a uh, what a redshirt junior before he maybe starts, you know, at quarterback, and then he might not even make it to the league. So it's right. It's I mean, we're seeing now how tough it was for Braxton to switch when he did, but um, and Braxton's the best athlete I've ever seen. So it's Torrance is not quite at his level, but Torrance has the potential just because of his his size too. Yeah, Braxton Miller, man, that and and that's what's interesting, like because. There is such a culture shift, I think, on the team right now. I mean, there are a lot of guys coming in with a lot of talent, but holy crap. Like that, And that, to me, is the biggest story of the spring. Just, like, how do you handle 
everybody leaving the room. Like it's a party, right? And you still got some cool people at the party, but like two thirds of everybody's gone. You got to like make small talk again. Like it's it's hard. It's yeah. hard to start the conversation of like how we're not going to suck. It's 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 a good thing for Ohio State to have Pat Elfline, JT Barrett, and Raekwon McMillan because like, right. Raekwon McMillan is only a true junior, but that that dude is like like he is like a redshirt senior as far as like just a, he's all business. He's serious about this and he knows what he needs to do to get where he's going to go. And Barrett is, you know, he, we've written and talked about his leadership for right for at length. And Pat is just like, Pat's totally different than either one of those guys. Like he's serious, but Pat is an offensive line. And those guys are all kind of like quirky dudes. So, you know, he knows when to be serious and knows how to lead guys, I think. So, it is it is a definite culture shift, and it is really weird. Uh, I will say the first the first practice that we got to watch uh, briefly, it was just like you looked around and you're just like, okay, legitimately, like there's no Joey Bosa, Braxton Miller, Michael Thomas, like these, these fantastic athletes that you know are going to be drafted early uh, at the end of this month. They're just – they're not there anymore. So it's – it is a little bit different for us too, just figuring out who these guys are and, and what they can do, but they – with the way Urban has established and the, what he's built in four years, I, I they're going to be fine. It, they might take some lumps, but it's just because there's a lot of guys that haven't played before. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, that's something I think that I'm not nervous about. I'm excited about. I mean, I, I talked about this, you know, I think towards the end of last season. I'm like, I, I just want to see. I love to see evolutions of teams, and and sometimes. Obviously, you know, you want your team to be good. You want the team that you enjoy rooting for to be good. But it's also cool just to see how it transitions from one thing to the next. Yeah. And I've seen that a lot following Ohio State. And this seems like one of those fun ones where you get to see guys come out of the woodwork and, you know, maybe some really good, excellent players from places that you don't necessarily expect. Like one of my all-time favorite players is, is Antonio Smith, right? Like Yao Smith, who's yeah. like like an engineering student undersized, ends up becoming like a Thorpe Award finalist. Like, I love that kind of stuff. And I want to see more. I mean, granted, you're going to have probably a higher caliber of athlete on Urban Meyer team. It's not going to happen as often. Right. Um, but I still just, I like those stories. Those those are the things that appeal to me, especially when it comes to Ohio State football. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's there's definitely some opportunity with that. But like, like I said, having the bookends like Pat, JT, and, and Raekwon will be really big for this team. I mean, as long as those guys can stay healthy and, and keep playing at the level that they can, it's, it, it was huge for, for Pat to come back. Like it's because that whole line is just, it's all new. I mean, cause even Billy Price has been working in a different position. So, right. And, and, and Pat's moving to center. So it's all fresh meat and you have a new coach. So like it's, there's a lot of moving parts, but the talents there, I mean, Ohio state's been in the top five or top, seven for the recruiting classes in the last three years. So it's, it's, it's not like they're the cupboard is bare by any means. <laughs> right. Well, let's talk about recruiting a little bit. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to, to talk to you about at length is uh, this issue of satellite camps. And I had a whole big rant ready to go, but then my, <laughs> you know, my non reptilian part of my brain was like, Johnny, like, why don't you ask somebody who knows more than you do about this? And maybe there's an angle that you're not picking up on. So I, I would like to just call the SEC a bunch of babies and whiners for 10 to 12 minutes, but I feel like there's more to this than that. Although I do think that that's the case, but I feel like there's more to it. So what am I missing? What else? What other component to this is there? Well, I think the biggest thing is 
that a lot of people forget or, or maybe they just don't understand it fully. And, and Urban Meyer said this on the Big Ten teleconference last week because, um, I mean, everyone was talking about satellite camps on that thing. It, it was it was ridiculous. You know, he, he said, you know, people are saying to me that the NCAA made this decision to ban them and, and take away this chance that these younger players are the – these maybe less fortunate players to get looked at by smaller schools, but he's like, the NCAA didn't make this decision. We made the decision. The NCAA is us. And yes, the ACC and the SEC might've been whining about it. You know, they're worrying about schools from the big 10 and elsewhere, you know, impeding on their fertile recruiting ground in the, in the Southeast part of the United States. But it's, it was up to a vote. To, for all the conferences, you know, the Big Ten was for it, and the SEC was not, the ACC was not, the Pac-12, you know, all those all those conferences voted. So that that is one thing that people need to really understand is that the, the suits in, in Indianapolis at the NCAA headquarters are not the ones that said, we're going to take away these satellite camps because – because the SEC told us to, because they're whining about this. No, it's it, it's it's something that is kind of a moving part and didn't really come to light, I think, too, until Jim Harbaugh started to really, you know, utilize it uh, last year with his summer swarm. And then Herb Meyer was like, well, we're going to do this, too. But it, it is a very unfortunate uh, situation. I think that I think eventually the NCAA will change it just because there's it's it's too bad for the, those kids like. I mean, and Urban said this too. When he was at, even when he was at BG, they would always come to Ohio State camps because there are kids in Central Ohio that might not be able to go up to Bowling Green's football camp. And like, who honestly, no offense to Bowling Green, but wants to go to Bowling Green for a football camp? Like, if you're <laughs> going to go to a Bowling Green football game, I right? have my sister. Uh, I also have. Actually. It is extremely depressing. It is. It, their stadium is not good, and the team. I mean, they were good in the last few years, but they were good when Urban was there. But it's just, you know, what are you going to do? But it's right. when you go when you want to go to a football camp as Ohio State or as a high school junior or senior trying to make a name for yourself, you go to Ohio State because you know the best players are going to be there, and there's going to be more faces to see you. So it is unfortunate because kids like that could, you know, pick up MAC offers, and hey, you get a free education out of it. Isn't and isn't that what college sports is all about? But it's, right. it's a very delicate situation and I it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out because I think the NCAA did get it wrong even though the NCAA is the conferences as a whole uh did you hear so and and that's all the is excellent uh an excellent point because I do think it is sometimes we we look at the evil machinations of you know when the NCAA does something especially if it favors the SEC we we tend to think that you know there's there's some kind of like hand wringing behind the scenes. Yeah, it's easy are. to jump at that. No doubt. Yeah, it is. Um with that said, did you see Mike Leach's quote about satellite camps? Uh which one? The one from today? Yes. Yes, I did about uh Dr. Evil. Yes, about Dr. Evil. Yeah, Where, uh, wherever it was, I'm going to I'm going to read this for people who uh oh, who are gosh. not familiar with and Mike Leach is really just the, the giving. Um, but this is what he said. I can't help but wonder if there was some manipulation with this thing, because that doesn't make any sense. I don't know what ivory tower or what <laughs> cliff these people flew to vote, but, but this is something out of James Bond, where they got together and voted and plotted, taking control of the world. Wherever it was, some lair in the mountains with ice and machinery, a cold Dr. Evil environment where these guys voted on this thing. Then, at the end, they all put their hands together and did a really weird laugh because soon they'll be conquering the world. 
that's how I envision this thing. And to be perfectly honest, there's more evidence toward that direction than anything legitimate happened with regards to this. I think Mike Leach might be onto something. It's... Maybe. I mean, I mean, that's look. When I think of Mike Slive or any of the other guys, you know, the old timers, like I really do think of evil, horrible people sitting in lairs, stroking cats. Like that's that's not. That that's so embedded in my brain because I think we have this weird adversarial thing in college football where it's not just the teams that we hate or the coaches that we hate or have problems with. It's like the entire institution right. must be brought down. I just don't understand why these people, you know, have it in their heads where they can sit in these rooms like you're talking about and make the decisions that just it's just it's not fair. And, and I think it will be revisited. I don't know when. It might not before this season, but. Next year, I think it'll definitely be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, when you've got guys like Harbaugh and Meyer making a stink about it, and Leach, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, that's a lot of clout. I mean, that if really, if they can complain about it enough, and, and maybe you've got, because you, know, you had not just, it, there were players, although you could say maybe at the behest of, you know, Jim Harbaugh, but you had players complaining about it and talking about why this puts them at a disadvantage. Um, I mean, hopefully they do revisit it. And you've seen in the past, right, how the NCAA can – they will reverse themselves if they see that there is a legitimate reason to do so. Um, they did it yeah. with, like, for instance, with the money and the uh, – with the families and the, uh, you know, the bowl games, the the playoffs and stuff like that. And that was – they'd made the right choice. They made the right decision in that case. Right. And I just – part of that, I mean, it you know, it's a cynical reason why they did that. It's, it's to protect their own brand. But I yeah. just think that – Hopefully they were, taking, they were taking PR hits left and right. So oh yeah, yeah they're hit, they're getting on the chin, and that's the thing. Like if enough kids, I think maybe it's not even Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh. If enough students, enough high school kids go, this is hurting my ability to go to college. Then maybe you'll see some things start to move a little more quickly. Um, yeah, because I hope. I mean, I hope it does. I mean, I, I agree with with Mr. Leach, the pirate. Like I just. I just think that it's 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 a wrong decision. I don't necessarily think that they're sitting in a you know hollowed volcano and, and, you know, putting their pinkies up to their mouths. But it's still it's still a bad decision, and I hope it gets changed, It's just unfortunate so. because, you know, there's – State's going to have camps in June where there's going to be hundreds of kids there, and the only coaching staffs that's going to be there are theirs, and then I believe non-FBS schools. So, like, maybe Mount Union can come in, like, D3, so Division three right. or something like that. Like, that – like the, I'm glad that they, that they can still be there because they might not be able to – offer full scholarships, but if a kid wants to go play college football, you know, there's an opportunity there to be had. So, and I'm sure that there will be ways to get around this ruling. Like maybe somebody will find a loophole with like, as long as they're not being, as long as the coaches are not being paid there or like they're volunteering or something. I'm not sure exactly. I don't know if that's a fact or not, but like coaches will, and they'll, they'll, they'll rebound. And that's the thing too. And I wrote about this as well. They're, they're upset Rightfully so, because I agree with them that I think it's a bad ruling, but coaches will regroup. They'll figure something out to get another advantage in recruiting, and then it'll be something else we're talking about in six months. So <laughs> right. it's just kind of how kind of how the cycle works. Yeah, that's very true. All right, tell you what, let's move on to uh, Ask Us Anything. We still have Ask Us Anything, and uh, you guys can ask us anything by sending us a an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com, or you guys can... Uh, hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. And I've got, I'm actually really glad you're around for Ask Us Anything this time because I have a very pertinent question to your profession. And oh Alvin, who we, who we met at, the, uh, at a little spring game uh, banger that we had, 
Um, yeah, shout out to Alvin. He's a really good bowler. Yes. He, yeah, he's he's excellent at mini bowling. I am less excellent. <laughs> uh, so his question was, and we I think we might have accidentally missed this one, so I'm glad we're going back to it. But he wanted to know, who do you guys look up to as model sports writers? Uh, and then I'll ask you a second question after you answer the first question. Oh, man. Um, well, I think that for me – haven't done this for a few now, few years now, uh, and being fortunate enough to cover Ohio State and go to places like the Sugar Bowl and the National Championship game and even the Fiesta Bowl, you, you get a sense and you see who these guys are that you follow on Twitter, these national guys, and you see how they kind of go about their business. And, and I think that one person that I look up to a lot is, is Pete Thamel. He, he's Sports Illustrated writer. He's excellent, and he has – a lot of connections in what he does, and he's a very good writer as well. He's very strong. Um, I also like uh, Andy Staples, another Sports Illustrated writer, mainly because he he has, like, my dream job. He, like, goes to, like, sporting <laughs> towns and, like, finds the best place to eat and then writes about it. like that's, And then he writes about football, too. So those right. are the two guys that are um, very good. And then my favorite writer, he doesn't cover college, he does NBA, is, uh, is Lee Jenkins. So what he does is – He's brilliant. He, he's really, really good. So those are some guys, and, and a lot of people kind of hate on some some Fox guys like uh, Stuart Mandel, and, and he kind of he's a different character in his own right, but he's very good at what he does, and I and I appreciate that because I read some of his stuff every once in a while, and he asks very good questions when he's given the opportunity. Uh, both him and Bruce Feldman kick kicks a major tail for Fox Sports as well, so. Those are kind of my guys that I follow and try to read whenever I can. But there's not I think those are all good picks. Yeah. I, I actually, when I was in college, I read Mandel a lot when he was at Sports Illustrated. And honestly, I think that's kind of part of what got me interested in maybe sports writing in general, just because I really like the people who can kind of draw out stories a little bit. And while I, I don't really read uh, Spencer Hall over at EDSBS and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and all that, I don't really read that guy too much anymore, but I still think one of my all-time favorite pieces of sports writing, and not go back to Mike Leach too much, but, like, he did – he basically spent a day with Mike Leach, like, in, yep. in South Florida before Leach got hired at uh, Washington State. And it's it's one of the best pieces of sports writing I've ever read because it's just him screwing around with Mike Leach for all for an entire day, and it's great. Like, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So, for me, those are the guys I like to read. Um, and Alvin, though, had a second part to this question. And, and I don't want you to burn any particular bridges. But on the flip okay. side, who are, some, who are some bad writers? Who are some writers you absolutely cannot stand? In this oh. Right oh, man. Uh, let's see. There's – well, I don't know. Okay, if you're a national guy or you've gotten to a position where – a lot of you have a great following and you get paid quite a bit of money to do sports writing and journalism and things like that. You're, you're going to have some talent regardless. Um, but they're right. like, because you have to have good clips to get those jobs. There, there's no way around it. Um, but there, there are a few people that I can't really stand as far as like just the way they carry themselves. Uh, either if you're in like, if you're in a locker room setting with them, like after a big game, like there's usually an open locker room and they, kind of use their their name, their company to try to, like, you know, step on the little guy, like, oh, this is, right. like, 11 Warriors, who are you, whatever, I work for Yahoo, I work for Fox, I work for ESPN, whatever like that, so I, I don't want to say any names, but, I mean, they, 
Mr. Forty from Yahoo sometimes kind of <laughs> rubs me the wrong day, wrong way because uh, – and I've actually met him, and he's a very nice guy. Uh, but there's a, a lot of times that I don't really agree with, like, the way he presents things and the way he presents um, facts when he writes. But he's consistent, and that's a very big thing uh, with what we do, and his style is unique. So that has gotten him where he is. So – but there's some times where I just, I just can't read it consistently um and then another guy too that kind of has always been on my bad side is is dennis dodd from cbs sports i'm so glad you said that just just because he like and and i've met him too and i've talked to him briefly um he's also a really nice guy but he just won't let the trestle stuff go go awry like man that happened so long ago like just Quit talking about it. I got to tell you something, man. I'm glad you said Dennis Dodd because I don't anticipate asking Dennis Dodd for a job. So I don't really care. And I just, I don't, here's the thing. I really, really hate the later years Rick Rick Riley style of opinion writing where it's like, I'll write a sentence and then just let it hang there. Yes. And then write another sentence and then let that hang there and just do that that for about 400 words. Yeah. it's, It's just awful. And it's, not only does that suck because it's it's not informative, it's just you know whatever, it's just bloviating, but it's also like super arrogant, and I, I really just hate the idea that what I've said carries so much weight and authority that I don't need to write anything else. Like I can just literally just make a statement, and you're like, oh my god, you're so smart. Right. Like I hate that. I hate that style of writing. I I don't know. So that kind of stuff really makes me mad. I don't know if there's any specific guys that I just like want to wring their necks or anything like that. Although I will say Darren Ravel is is. Oh, Man, okay. that that night Sorry I got myself uh, blocked from his Twitter feed was one of the better nights, oh. I think, of my life. That was a lot of fun. I just spent an hour telling him that he sucked until he finally blocked me. <laughs> uh, I think one of the the best or worst tweets of his of all time was there was some, I forget where it was at, but some mining cave-in or something like that. And they it was like a two or three day event where these miners were just trapped in this cave and Right. A whole new story about trying to get him out, and and Ravel like tweeted he was watching the news coverage, and he tweeted out like there was like some Mountain Dew or something like that that helped keep these guys going, and like on the TV cameras like you saw these bottles of Mountain Dew, and that was you saw a lot of them like they 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 kept kind of alive off of Mountain Dew, and he said like, oh I predict that marketing was up like a hundred million because these are all like, like how do you know that? Like what research did you do before you type that on your phone and send it on the internet? Like that's, uh, don't even get No, but here's the thing. You're absolutely right about that. But what makes it even worse is the fact that he can't even see the human element of it. Like for five seconds, he has, he has a complete inability to say these are human beings who almost died and go like, wow, that's crazy. And instead he's like, man, Mountain Dew's probably making a fortune off this. Like, What kind of person like immediately snaps to that in their brain? They're like, "Wow, those." That, instead of thinking like they just went through a traumatic event, they're going like, "Man, how can we monetize this?" Exactly. Like, what a what a crappy person. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't want to like. Again, I've never met Darren Ravel. Maybe he's a perfectly pleasant person in real life. I don't know. I don't actually care because all I know of him is his Twitter feed and his writing, and I don't like either. And it just drives me up a wall. Like yeah. that dude. Oh my god. But I don't those, like to, to those people that we've you know kind of bashed on it and like Darren especially I mean you got to give some credit to people like that because they're very unique and you know no who would have thought no 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 no, 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 no listen to me listen to me who would have thought that he could make a probably really good living I don't know how much he makes from ESPN it's probably way too much but 
doing what he does. Like he created his own job. That's that's what I'm saying. Like in, in yeah. sense of like, but, he, but he has bad takes, and it's annoying. It's I can't. I don't know, man. I I I feel like in your life. At a certain point, you got to draw a line. You got to say, "Look, I, either I am going to be this person, or I'm going to be this person." <laughs> yeah. And Actually. no, I'm serious. I'm a 31 year old man, right? Like I, I've like I teach high school history. Like I, it's not a particularly lucrative lucrative pr- profession, but it's the one that I chose, and I chose it because I feel like it's honest. And I just I can't look when you're young, when you're like, and again, I'm not trying to like talk down to you. I'm sorry, but like no, I, know. I can see I understand. The, but I can see the allure of that, right? Like, yeah. I can see the allure of, like, I'm a younger guy. I want to, like, be popular. I want, not necessarily popular, but I want to be known for my takes. I want to be interesting on the Internet or whatever. Like, I get that motivation. But once you reach a certain point in your life, and Darren Ravel is not a young man, all right? Like, he's yeah. not 30. He's not 25. He's not 20. Like, at a certain point, you've got to make the decision about what kind of integrity you're going to carry with you. And I just – I see – older people like Skip Bayless and Rick Riley and Darren. And I'm like, man, like you made that choice. Yeah, you did. And at a certain point you could have made a better choice. And that just, I can't, I can't cut somebody slack at that point. Like I can't like I respect you, that. you, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's I because these that. guys do have talent. Like that's the point. Like these guys have talent mm-hmm. and they're using that talent to be douchey on the internet. And I just, I don't get it. I but don't it's, get it. My, my point is just the fact that they have made their way being the way they are and it's just like for me like just like being you know i'm trying to differentiate my differentiate my differentiate excuse me myself from other people that just cover ohio state for an internet website like oh yeah absolutely it's so it's you know you study people like that and try to figure out how to be different i guess but it's there are there are so many people that just took it way too far, and you're just like, oh man anytime i see your name i just want to bash my head against the wall (laughs) it's just so awful Right. Well, that, and that's the that's the slope, right? Like that's the line. Like, you got to be so careful to walk that. It's slippery between it interesting and like douchey, and it's it's hard. Um, although I will say, Eric, in in your defense, you are an excellent writer, and oh, and I thanks, will say it's like, and I'm not well, no, but I'm not just saying that. Like, it's it's a hard line to walk. And how old are you? Uh, twenty. I turned twenty five in July. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. Like to be able to find your voice that at that age is a hard thing, and. One of the things that I'm glad, like you and Tim and everybody else who writes on the site, like we got a lot of younger guys writing for us. Like, we, oh I'm, yeah, like, and and I say this again as a guy who's only 31. I'm not like old. I'm not sitting here in my rocking chair <laughs> like telling you telling you what it was like back in the day. Of, like, you know, remember when Luke Fickle was this? like no one cares. But what I'm saying is is that I'm I'm proud of this website because we have developed a voice without stooping to the lowest common denominator and that's that's important. That's that's something that is significant because it's really 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 easy to fall into that trap. We have and good different voices too. That helps with that. Yeah, it does. I mean, guys like DJ, I mean, god dang, like DJ is a national treasure. Like that dude should be put on Mount Rushmore like now. He's the most interesting uh, person like, I've ever met in my entire life. He really is. He absolutely 100% is, like from day one. And I just, you know, I love that about the site. I think that's that's awesome. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to get on a huge rant. We do have, like, what? Well, we got two more questions, I think, here. Okay. Um, and you may be more interested in the second question than I am because I'm not. But uh, this is from Josh. Uh, he says, which Buckeye from this draft class do you see having the most success in the NFL over the next five years? Uh, and which Buckeye, if any, from this class do you think will be a bust? What do you think about those two? Uh, oh, man, that's tough. There's there's so many. 
Uh, I will, I will say Ezekiel Elliott, I think is going to be, uh, I mean, that, that dude just has all pro written all over him. Um, if, yeah. if he can stay healthy and I mean, he is, he's the total package. And if he gets the right, I mean, he, he's an instant impact. I think there's a lot of guys like, I think Bosa is going to be an instant impact player. Um, I, I think Zeke's going to be an instant impact player and the same thing with Eli Apple and Darren, um, and potentially Taylor Decker as well, depending on where he goes. But Zeke, it, it's just, it's a, it's a shame because if he played any other position than running back, he would probably be the number one overall pick. And that's, that's, that's a big statement that I just made, but I mean, the guy, he's a monster. And I, I think that he'll be a pretty consistent pro bowler. Um, he runs hard and he blocks well and he catches the ball well. And that's, that's what you needed out of running back. So I, within five years, like a five year window, I think he'll have the most success. Um, and as far as a bust, I mean, I think that Jalen Marshall should have stayed in school. So I'm not for sure if I'm going to be able to, like, call him a bust just because I think it's kind of unfair to to do that because I, he's not, like, a guy who, like, has a lot of expectations, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, right. Nobody's picking him, like, second round. Or right. Like yeah. That. He'll be a late-round pick. Um, I'm going to get probably grilled for this, but I think Cardell could be a pretty big bust just because mm-hmm. – he just he doesn't have a lot of tape, and he had his most success when he had Tom Herman in his ear. And Tom Herman is a great, great quarterback whisperer. And Cardell, <laughs> Cardell had, and Cardell has so much talent, but and he's very intelligent as well. Um, you know, may, maybe it'll change in the sense that once he gets drafted and gets with a pro team, that he'll be all on football. Like his mind will be on that. He won't have to deal with with school or anything else. But I mean, it's. He's matured a lot. I give him a ton of credit for that, but I, I just kind of think that he might not – he just might not make it. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I feel – I think I'm going to echo your thoughts there. And I think it's interesting kind of the comments that Urban Meyer made about Cardell Jones. So interesting. With to that. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, and a lot of people – and people took that as a slam on his intelligence. I don't think that's fair. No. I mean, Cardell Jones, you know, especially what we know about – like, Cardell Jones is not a dummy. Like, that's – I don't think anything could be further from the truth. I don't know that he's, like, maybe, like – I'm going to go in this, you know, sociology class, you know, 367 or whatever and get an A++ or anything like that. Uh-huh. But just from a person-to-person basis, he strikes me as a very intelligent dude in a lot of different ways. He knows what he's doing. Um, but I also don't think that he's had the kind of coaching or experience that you really need um, and, and a nice setting to really kind of learn the stuff that you need to do as an NFL quarterback. Uh, I would love for him to prove me wrong because I like Cardell Jones, but – yeah, that's the one I'm worried about a lot. And again, you're right. Like the tape and stuff, like it's going to be difficult for him. Right. Um, so we'll see. I I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll have to. Obviously, I'm going to to watch his transition. A lot of other guys. I'm a. I don't know. There's some guys like Darren Lee. I think Darren Lee uh, is going to be successful in some way in the NFL. I think it may take a different form than some people think. Yeah. Uh, but I think people are starting to develop, especially in the NFL, positions for guys like Darren Lee because they recognize this as innate athletic ability, and they just want to get him on the field. So he may not, like, be that, you know, stereotypical all-pro type linebacker guy, but I think as a as a tweener kind of guy, I think he'll find some success in the NFL. Yeah, especially with him, um, because he, he is kind of, like, I would say kind of created a position for him. Like, he, he, right. he stepped in for Ryan Shazier, yes, but, like, Shazier just ran everywhere and never got tired and just hit everything and tackled everything. Like, Darren was so explosive just in those quick bursts and he has the talent to, you know, 
play in space against the pass and rush the quarterback. So to your point, I mean, they're going to, someone's going to find a way to, to utilize him and to do it pretty consistently. So that, that's another good name to throw out there as well. Uh, all right. So thank you guys for writing in for the ask us anything questions. Really appreciate it. Um, as I said, you guys can uh, ask us anything by sending an email to dubcast11warriors.com or hitting us up on Twitter at 11 dubcast. Eric, thanks for talking to me tonight. I, uh, I was feeling a little sad, feeling a little lonely, and you came into my life and wrapped <laughs> it up a little bit. I'm glad to throw – to make sure you're not uh, going to bed crying tonight. <laughs> I mean, I might, uh, but it won't be because of this, so I appreciate it. It was uh, fun. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, what's up? It was fun. Yeah, I seriously, thanks for coming on and, and listening to me rant and, and definitely bringing the insight on a lot of this kind of stuff because, again, you know, it's – it's something that I, I like to think I have a handle on, but really you're you're much more in the trenches than I am, and it's it's always a good you know perspective to have in here. The last thing I want to ask you, and, and this is a little different than what we've done. Typically, we've done like an off the wall question or whatever, but since you're here and, and I feel like your expertise, I can take advantage of a little bit. Is there a sports story, and it doesn't have to be um, college football or college sports even. It could just be any sports story. Is there a sports story that you believe has been kind of overlooked in the past uh, like you know couple weeks? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I think I think it's it's a lot. Uh, I haven't read a much that much about it, or like looked for stories as far as you know whether it be on Twitter or on internet to read more about it. Um, but I think that the Boston Marathon was uh, Monday, I believe, and yeah. I, I think that that is something that is always going to kind of have a consistent, you know, human interest side because of what happened there a few years back, uh, just really terrible right. stuff. So I, I think that, and like I said, I don't follow the writers that do the type of things like that to, to check it out. But I, I just, you know, sitting on sports center and seeing on the, all these news, uh, sports news channels and things like that, you know, where everyone's talking about the draft and talking about baseball is getting going and, the big things in the NBA playoffs are going on right now. And there's a lot that's going on in the sports world. And, and I think that situations like that need to be kind of revisited. Um, and maybe they will be like, I'm sure someone will put out an awesome, you know, six minute video story with like a family that lost a loved one and then ran it together or something like that. And the bombing. So it's, I think that things like that kind of get thrown by the wayside because people don't like to talk about tragedies and they don't like to, think that they can happen but then when they do everyone suddenly turns out oh man this is awful and blah 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 so I think that that is something that kind of has gone under the radar um, but then again it only happened on Monday so it's not exactly like it's two weeks old or anything but um, it's just one of those things that I think has been overshadowed by everything else that's going on um, in the so so-called money-making sports yeah, no doubt. And that's the thing. I mean, we got the Olympics coming up, and I've been reading a lot about the Rio games. i got to tell yeah. you something, man. That, that is going to be if, – if you look at the, the Rio games being a complete mess already, just on the face of it, right? Like the fact that, you know, the water's basically raw sewage Not and good. the venues still aren't done, and it's just, you know, awful. And combine that with the fact that they're trying to impeach the president, <laughs> like, right now – of uh, Brazil, like I, I just, I think that is going to be the story that everybody should be paying attention to, outside of, of course, Ohio State sports on elevenwarriors.com. I think that, <laughs> that is that's, that a, that's is a good one because that's because we're right on the cusp of summer. So yeah, that's I, right, man. 
I, I'm with you there. Well, tell you what. So we're gonna we're gonna keep on all of these stories, and the next time we're gonna have a dubcast, we'll be discussing and dissecting the NFL draft and looking at where all these players went. Maybe we'll have some special guests. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but until then, I'm John Ginner. Uh, that's been Eric Sager, and uh, we wish you the best. See you guys next time. Thank you.